the real challenge is to turn it all off. Turn all the music off, turn all the cell phones off, turn all the apps and the meditation and the voices walking through it and sit with yourself for 15 minutes in silence and see what comes up. So I started doing that a little, a little bit more in these processes when I'm kind of like reaching out because I noticed like as I would reach for alcohol or drugs or whatever the substance would be, I started doing that with social or food. It's like the addiction went to something else type thing. This is the 40 Lessons Podcast. My name is Todd B. Waldo. Thank you so much for checking out 40 Lessons. Excited to bring you a brand new season recorded from home because we're staying in place, doing our small part to combat what's happening with the coronavirus. Uh, have to give deep appreciation and thanks to all of you who have to leave your homes to go to work. All of you in healthcare, all you doctors and nurses and everyone working in our healthcare facilities, all you hourly employees you who have to go and make sure that you can check us out of places and all the things. Thank you. Thank you so much for every single one of you who have to go out. Um, and those of us who are able to stay in, I hope you're doing your best to take care of yourself uh, and take care of the people that are around you. Uh, I got a chance to get on the microphone with Mike Watts, and I'm really excited to share this conversation with you. He was at his home up in Maine. He and I met here in Richmond as part of Shape Soiree. Shout out to Boho and Marie. What's up? Uh, he and I met here and got a chance to get on the mic and pull this episode together. He does some great work with his wife, Kate. Uh, they're really committed to supporting ambitious women to light up the world without burning themselves out in the process. Uh, they themselves have a podcast together. It's called The Kate and Mike Show, Life, Love, and Business. And there they share their life plus business strategies on a weekly basis. So excited to share this with you. Conversation with Mike Watts. Stay tuned because I got to tell you about Love 146 and the really important work that they are doing. So let's get into it. Conversation with Mike Watts here on the 40 Lessons Podcast. I am super excited. Uh, we're doing a podcast today up and down the East Coast. I'm really excited to have this man on the other end of the microphone. He's on the other end of the screen, too. I can see his face from the way up Northeast. Mike Watts, what's up, man? Thank you so much, man, for having me. It's a real I, I, it's a real privilege to be here. So um, I, I am, I'm excited about this. This yeah, is good. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah, we're, Maine uh, is uh, rainy and snow. We had snow the other day, like eight inches. Then we had hail, and uh, now day. it's raining today and it's supposed to rain tomorrow. I, it's like you know, it's kind of depressing. Not gonna lie. Is that the normal for Maine? Yeah, this is or like our. Have- it's like our mud season, <laughs> where it just like rains and it's just muddy for March and April, like the end of March, most of April. And then in May, it's to kind of like you get hope and summer's coming. <laughs> so we're usually gone. I try to leave during this time. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, now we're all stuck inside. So, yes. So we are recording this. It's uh, it's April. So we are in the midst of the coronavirus epidemic. Uh, we are all staying at home, um, living our lives in a very different way. And uh, I'm actually this week. Uh, I'm on a I'm on a social media break. I just had to unplug for a minute. So while we're recording this, I'm taking a break from the Instagram and Facebook just to do some other stuff. Um, this this time in your life, of course, is different because you have to be home. So you, if you were going to go away and escape the mud season, where would you guys go? What would be the normal thing you'd be doing right now? Right now, we are planning. We should be leaving this week to go to new york city mm-hmm. uh and we are going to be there for seven days and then we are going to go to miami in about two weeks you know when we get back so it would be april would have been in new york city and miami and are those family just fun everybody kind of gets away what kind of trips are those yeah so my wife's second her second book called do less and it's her paperback version comes out on April 7th. So we were going to be there and we're going to have like a book launch party for just the celebration of that. So that was just going to be a fun family are in our kids. We have two, I have two girls, um, in our, I guess we have two girls or I don't know. There's two young children living with us (laughs) 
who my wife made. They're yours. So. They're yours. Yeah, my wife made them. Yes, and they are. <laughs> I was the father. Yeah, or I am okay. the father. And uh, it sounds so weird because like I don't own them, right? But the way we talk right. about having kids is we own. So one's four and a half, and one turns two on April eighth. So. We were just going to like take our kids to New York and just like hang out because they haven't yeah. been there yet. And then Miami was just going to be some vacation to have warm weather. Yeah. Was was 19, for a lot of us, 19 was just not fun. Like for many of us, we said, oh, great. 19 is finally over. I made it to 20. New decade. Let's do it. Like, let's do some new stuff, new frontiers, new life, like new perspective. And then like this. Like this just shifted what people had attended for 2020. Were you in a similar boat? Like this is not how, I'm sure this is not how you plan to start the year, but has this shifted what you thought you'd be doing for the start of 20? Um, well, yeah, the truth is like right now, I mean, I'm fortunate and very, you know, we have the business that we've built and we, a year ago was a lot harder than it is for us now. Mm -hmm. A year ago from today and lead, the end of 2018 and the end of 2019 is, or the, excuse me, the end of 2018, beginning of 2019 was far harder than kind of we're experiencing right now for us and our family. Like our business was going under, we had to take some lines of credits from bank to like establish. So we didn't like end up in basically bankruptcy um, or like selling my house and living in my parents' basement type thing. So and then I got a really bad skin rash that it, it's, this is a longer story. We can talk about it if you want to. Um, but it was a very giant health experience that I went through. And it, at the, it was October of 2018 to pretty much around now to June, July of 2019. So mm -hmm. I was kind of in bed and my whole body was think of your worst sunburn you've ever experienced. Um, and it was like a hundred times worse than that. So for just to give people visualization, I basically shed it. So think of a snake shedding their skin. That's what I went through in my skin. Wow. And so coming into 2020, I was pretty like, okay, you know, I wasn't jacked. I work sure. with my business coach said that she just, a lot of her clients, she used this exact scenario was like it was like 2020 new decade let's go let's crush it yeah. let's do this and mother yeah. nature was just like yeah put your brakes on people you know like i don't think so you need to yeah. regroup things here and uh that's for us i wasn't in that space because we i've been in this kind of this downturn rebuilding phase for about two and a half years honestly mm -hmm. and for myself personally and then us looking at our business because i run a business with my wife and so we've just been in this process of kind of rebuilding for a while. So this is just like, oh, well, this sucks because now we have like childcare and I can't go anywhere type right. thing or no childcare. And so we're just kind of, you know, sitting at home. Yeah. Uh, so when you and I met, we were here in Richmond mm -hmm. uh, and shout out to Amory Boho uh, right here in Richmond doing some really cool things still giving content to people, connecting with people, uh, although their cycle studio is close right now. Um, and so we meet Shape Soiree, and we're kind of talking about mindfulness and our lives and all that. It was, a, it was a beautiful day as we kind of sat and kind of had our panel discussion. What came out pretty quickly is your, your ability to kind of open yourself up and say, here I am. This is who I am. This is what's going on with me, which I think is pretty powerful that you can be that transparent and open and you've done what I think many of us hope to do is you've let life teach you. Like you've tried to learn some stuff as you've gone through some stuff. Uh, that ability to open yourself up. Do you think that was something you, I don't know, had, had to do to make it through what was going on in your life? Or someone said, hey, let me help you open yourself up because yeah. you're stuck. Like, what, what was that journey like to figure out this is, this is a better way for me to live? um i would say it started from codependency like honestly mm -hmm. let's like go call it out where it is and it was just this yeah. dynamic that existed in our family when i grew up as a kid and then as i became an adult though i just i always you know when i would study business or look at business i saw myself right i'm a white dude 
heterosexual straight white man, like, and I would be on the cover of everything. And I'm like, that's what I want. So I'm going to go mm-hmm. get it and do whatever I need yeah. to do to like be the CEO, be the boss, whatever that is. And that was my kind of, that was my drive where I was going to go. And then I found mentors along the way. And honestly, one day my mentor was just like, this helped me make millions in my business. And it was like going to yoga. And I had to be like, I was like 20, um, I don't know, I was like 23. So I yeah. just started doing yoga and I was like, great, that'll help me make more money. You know, and <laughs> it was like, because it was my driver for a long time was just making money. It was like, I love yeah. making money. I still today, I think it's so fun. I, I create a, it's like a game. And yeah. it's just like, how can we, how can I turn this into like 20 grand? Or how can I, do, you know, it's like this creation, it's t- taking an idea and then turning it into a result. Sometimes that thing works, sometimes it does not, right? Mm-hmm. So it wasn't, it was it's like it's become this like kind of personal development obsession i would say and i notice the more that i am changing myself in this process or searching and like discovering who i am the better my life becomes and what really started so that was like the business mentor but what really started this path was when i quit i quit drinking and i just stopped doing you know cuz i used to do a ton of drugs um, marijuana and then also other, you know, mushrooms and ecstasy and all sorts of other things. And then also drank pretty heavily for, from the time I was 16 to the time I was 28. And when I started, when I stopped drinking, there was no more excuses for me about like the feel. I'm just finished reading this book by Glennon Doyle Melton called Untamed and her mm-hmm. core audience is women, but like my wife read it and she loved it. And then we want to have her on our podcast. So I started reading this for there, but she talks about how it's like when she became sober, she just had to start feels. She started discovering her feelings. Yeah. And like, that's just part of being human. And I was like, oh, okay. And I just like, it it like, I just finished this book like a couple of days ago or I finished it this morning actually. And, but I've been reading over the past couple of days and I was like, oh, that's what that stuff is. That's why it's been so hard for the last like 10 years. Be like, those are my feelings and they all come up. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Right. So yeah. I just like a lot of it stemmed from just making money because I was, you know, I was laid off. I used to work for Philip Morris, um, mm-hmm. not in Richmond's facility, but down in North Carolina. And I was laid off from there, started my company and just had to survive. And it's like, I got to pay the bills. Um, I got to pay my rent. I'm responsible for that. So it's like, what do I need to do? So it was whatever I could do. And that's when the yoga came a- across. And that's when I quit. I stopped drinking because I was just like, there's what I actually want in my life, mm-hmm. it, it's my last 12 years or 10 years of all this fun that I've experienced at bars and hooking up with women. And, you know, it's like just partying and the whole thing. It's not leading me in the direction that I actually want the life that I actually want to live. Yeah. So I just started making small changes along the way. Um, and I'm still doing that today. Like that's still a process today. Yeah. It's so, it's so wise when you can recognize that what I'm doing today is not good for me, it's not good for my body, it's not good for my mind, it's not good for my soul. But then to actually make a decision on a daily basis that you're gonna do something different. It's wise to get to that place, but it takes a lot of courage and it takes a lot of strength to make those to make those choices. That's huge. That you would shift your life in the way that you did. Um, when you so you mentioned kind of growing up, where where was that? Like where were you as a kid? Where'd you where'd you grow up? I was born in Wyoming, mm-hmm. in Casper, Wyoming, and then I by the when I was and then I moved five times. So I went from Wyoming to Kansas, Alabama, Louisiana, and then ended up in Indiana. And I it okay. was like around kindergarten. So it was my like I started kindergarten in Indiana, and then I was there until. And I went to Purdue for university. And then after university, I left and went to North Carolina. Was your, was your process of kind of formation and growing up in Indiana, was it all about go to college, get that degree, go get that money? Like, was that where, because ultimately that was the drive. Like the drive was to be successful in business. Um, was that how you were groomed and kind of raised? Like that was the model for you to go to work? Yeah, because that's what that my parents of- did. Right. Like my parents went to school. They grew up in small town in Pennsylvania, both uh, uh, different towns, but both on Western Pennsylvania. 
And that's what they did. And they mm-hmm. saw their life, you know, was what they wanted to create. And so that's what I was, that's what I was told to do. Yeah. yeah. And that's what I did. I followed that trajectory and I went to school for engineering and cause that's people said you were, I was good at math and science and like, that's what you should do. And they make a, they make a bunch of money. So I just followed that path. Isn't it interesting how the math and science and engineering formula, like that's it. I got the same talk. Like you like math, you're good in this stuff. You should be an engineer. I tell people, I didn't know what an engineer was. I had never met one engineer. The only thing I knew engineers did was run trains, which is not <laughs> what people were asking me to do. Uh, so I had no idea, but I had that same thing of, because of these two, you should go ahead and go to a university. And I did. I'm grateful that I went to NC State. I'm grateful that I got this degree in electrical engineering. Uh, but it's interesting. Like They see that in us and say, yep, that's what you... That's what you should do. Was there anything else you wanted to do? Like, or was it just like, nah, engineering's the thing. I'm all into it. Let's do it. Um, now looking back, like if, as we, you know, retrospect, look back, my uh, ex-girlfriend was from, uh, she went to NC State. So there was a lot of NC State discussions. Shout when out. I lived, another when I lived in NC Charlotte. Home yeah. Of Wolf- yeah. In Queen City, Charlotte. Yeah. It's, uh, I, lo- I loved living in Charlotte. It was so much fun. So it was looking back, like I'm really fascinated by human psych, like human behavior. It mm-hmm. really fascinates me now around reading books about that and just why people do what they do, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I don't know what that there's, I think there's something called yeah. psychos or something. I don't know. There's something. <laughs> there's a study it for it. <laughs> but I don't know if you know what it is, but I don't know what it's called. <laughs> But that fascinates me. But even business, like it really excites about. But I have an MBA, right? I, so I went back to school to get an MBA because I was at Philip Morris. And I was, remember I was walking to my boss's office, LaFon Shepherdson, and we're there. And she's like, well, to move up inside this company in Philip Morris, you need an MBA. And I was like, okay, well, I'll just go do that. Mm-hmm. So I went to UNC Charlotte for two semesters and took prerequisite classes to go to business class at Wake Forest. And then I would go on the weekends down in charlotte why i was working at philip morris and we would go to business class i was i hated it i was like i was just all i what i learned in school was how do i get by and what is considered successful like getting a 4.0 to me was like i don't care about that it was like all i know realized is people needed a piece of paper right they're like oh you have an mba great you are now elevated in this area and I still have a buddy today that I went to Purdue with, and he never graduated. He left with a, with a like a year left. And I said, has anybody ever asked you about your... And he goes, no, they all think I've graduated because he puts it on his, you know, his resumes or whatever. Yeah. It's like, I went to Purdue from here to here. So they just assume he graduated. And I was like, that's so fascinating. But yeah, I, I went back to school for business and it was fun. But in our at Wake Forest classes, we were studying a lot of things from like 1950 or 1960, mm-hmm. you know, business tools and technology. And I was like, this is, or there are tech, you know, information systems classes. They were all like from 90. I'm like, this is so irrelevant to what is happening in the world today. Yeah. And I, I didn't, enjoy, you know, I, that was not the right time for me. If I was go back to get an MBA now, mm-hmm. I would probably enjoy it a lot more than I did in that moment because I've been, I have experience. I have more business experience and see, and I've seen the world, et cetera. Yeah. Well, uh, why'd you pick Philip Morris? All the places to go and all the work to do. Why, why then? Uh, because they paid the most mm-hmm. it's yeah. So it was all back to money because yeah. I was, I knew I was going to be the, the kid. I had a lot of, in, I did a lot of internships in college, so I had a pretty good idea like in manufacturing and I liked it and I walked into the Philip Morris. So I went down for a plant visit and there was 10 MBA students and I was the only undergrad student. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, this is odd. I was like, this is strange, but it was. And then I walked into the factory and I was like, this is amazing. Cause I was watching a machine send 700 packs a minute past my eyeballs. Yeah. And like, I love watching like how things are made and the whole product, putting things together, et cetera. Right. And so 
I was like, this is amazing. This is unbelievable. I've never seen anything like this. Cause you go to a car manufacturer, it's like slow. They're putting a car mm -hmm. together. It's a slow process, but like the plant was like, boom, 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 boom. And I was like, I'm into the speed. And then they also paid me the most from a beginning salary. Yeah. And they had a requirement for salaried employees. If you worked a certain amount, you get overtime. And I knew in man, if I was going in manufacturing, I'd be working a ton. Mm -hmm. And then they also had great retire, the benefits that were there. And I knew being brand new is I'm going to be the guinea pig and all the seniors, the senior people are going to be like, yo, go do this, go do this, go do that. So I was like, I wanted to make sure I got paid for it basically. Yeah. And they would pay for me to go back to school to get MBA. Cause that's what I thought. Any, I thought going into the factory, I was going to go back to school for graduate just because that's what the thing was to do. Yeah. Basically. Did you know any, did you know any entrepreneurs when you were growing up? Like, do you know folks who kind of ran their, ran their own business? Yeah. So the two people that fascinated me the most growing up was my next door neighbor who was a foot doctor. And he, my parents worked, my mom's an audiologist and my dad is, he worked for BP and Amico mm -hmm. um, for 34 years or so. He traveled all over the world and all over the United States. Like he was travel, he traveled my whole childhood and my whole life. Basically he retired about five years ago. Um, but my next door neighbor was a foot doctor and what I always was fascinated by because is how much, you know, like dudes give each other shit. Basically, yeah. it's like, you know, it's like the bro code or whatever you yeah. can call it. And so he my dad and him we used to give each other a bunch of crap, you know, across the yard because he was always going fishing. And I was like, what's he do? Like, what's he? This is during the week, like on a Thursday, he's going fishing. He's got his boat he's and he's out like so he'd be like, yeah, I'm going fishing the next two days. And I was like, what's he doing? You know, but he, he works, he only worked three days a week. Mm. He owned his own practice. He did sur he did foot surgery and then he saw patients two days a week or something like this, right? It wasn't a five day a week work week. And then our other neighbor who sponsored, he was like our my baseball coach and also sponsored the teams, started a medical device company and sold it when he was like 40, I think the dude was like 44 or so at the time. Mm -hmm. And he was just hanging out the house all the time. Like he was never, he didn't have to go to work because he made, it was like millions. And he sold this product. It's when you lose your vocal cords and you stick that thing oh, up yeah, your like throat. Robot voice. Yeah. And yeah. He, yeah. And so it was his he his company. I don't know if he founded it or manufactured it or something, but that was one of the companies he founded. And I was always I'm like, they also leased automobiles. So every two years they get, I'm like, how do you get a new car every two years? Like it was this whole thing as a kid. You're like, wow, they got a new car. So cool. And so I was always fascinated by that. But then I was like, oh, he started a business. And that was kind of the first. And then my mom also knew this guy. She ran a marathon marathons with who also had a, a manufacturing facility in our town, Valparaiso, Indiana. And he had this giant house. And so it just like put these pieces and, you know, these little like nuggets to be like, oh, he owns a company. OK, great. I didn't know that much about it. I'd never really had discussions with him, but it was just like these nuggets. When I think back to that's kind of where my brain goes. What, what was the, so your catalyst for starting a thing was, was a layoff. So it was, a, it was a, it was a change that, so was your job just, you were just, yeah, well, it was, or? I mean, it started before that. Oh, really? That was, yeah. Cause I had paper route starting in sixth grade. I just like always hustled. Yeah. I was just always fascinated about making money. You know, like we're that, all, you know we're really the same person. Who, me and you? Yes. Okay, we'll see if so, this continues so to paper, be the same. So paper out. Yeah. It was like first job. My neighbor was the entrepreneur that I knew. Degree in engineering. Well, well. What, in, oh, what engineering? Oh, I'm electrical. I'm mechanical. Okay, so we can find out about that. Uh, yeah. We both lived in North Carolina. Well, my last name's Watts, so, you know, it kind of goes there. Oh, no. He's, you know. Four yeah. letters for our first name. Well, I guess you're technically Michael. Maybe. Michael, yeah. That's mm -hmm. Todd. That's not sure for anything. But we're like the same person. <laughs> that's, that's, that's pretty crazy. <laughs> so the inception for this business happens before, before yeah. actually. I just like was fascinated. My whole life I've been this fascinated with like, how do I make more money in a way, right? Now that's the reason for that has changed over time. Sure. You know, so it's not about like the bigger car, the bigger plane, the bigger, you know, I like I watch these, I watch this April Fool's video of this, one of these YouTuber guys that I watch and this investor, he, he's like, I just spent all my money to buy a $30 million house. You know, and I look at this house and I'm like, it's really nice, but I'm like, 
I'm like, God, that's a lot to, that's a lot. You know, it's like, I don't want a $30 million house. That's like 25,000 square feet. Like they don't have a desire. Right. So at one point I was like, that'd be amazing. But now I'm like, yeah, I don't, I mean, if I want to say hello to my wife in the morning, I don't walk like 5,000 steps, you know, or get like some sort of automated thing. But now it's like, I started a paper route when I was in sixth or uh, fifth grade. No, sixth grade. I had sixth grade and I had that until I was a senior. It was like six or seven years or something. I mm-hmm. had this thing. I can't remember the exact, but it was because I they got a scholarship. If you had your paper out for a certain amount from the paper company, they would give you like oh. five grand to go to yeah. college. And so I was like, I'm just going to stay and work till I get the five grand. And then I started selling drugs in college. So for five years, I sold marijuana or pretty much anything I get my hands on to. So and that went, that was cool just from a perspective of like, and that's when I saw the guy I would get all of my hookup from, you know, I'd go get a pound of weed every week and then we'd sell it on campus. And when he had probably, I don't know, hundred K laid out on a table one day when I walked in there and my, I, my mind was just like blown. Yeah. I was like, Oh, what is happening here? You know, <laughs> it's like, and so it's like that went on through school and even like I, then I also just worked a lot, you know, I was just hustled and worked. So I always desired that to run my own thing. And then I started kind of a network marketing company when I was in college mm-hmm. and went, so it was like, right when I was really into that, I saw people had a lot of success in it when I was there, but right when is when I graduated and I was like, well, I'm just going to go to North Carolina because there was two, two places I wanted to live after I graduated. It was either North Carolina or Arizona. I had job offers in both. Okay. And so I just chose to go to North Carolina with Philip Morris and that's kind of, and then, and then I started when during the layoff process, I was, I just started scouring the internet was just like, how do I start a business? Mm-hmm. Like, what do I going to do? This is the move to make. Like I just followed kind of my instinct during this time. I was like, this is it. Yeah. So I'd get our shift set up cause I worked, it was all shift work and at Philip Morrison. So I'd get my shift and then I would just spend all hours looking online for something mm-hmm. and something else to do. What's your, so you're still hustling. You're still grinding. Um, your motivations are so different than they were at that point in your, in your life. Um, when you think about an, an order to those, like, do you try to set some priority for yourself that, you know, I'm working hard so that I can make sure I do this and I do this and do this. Like, do you kind of give yourself a little bit of prioritization for how you want to direct your household and what you want the benefit for that household to be? Yeah, that's a good, that's a great question. Um, I, no, I don't. It's, <laughs> it's, <laughs> uh, it is now I'm learning so I've learned a lot of this from watching. Have you ever read the, the book conversations with God or heard yeah. about it? Yeah. Or you ever hear how people get like these downloads. Mm-hmm. It's just like, you know, it's like somebody speaking to me yeah. and I, you know, you like look up in the sky, you're like, who the, who's talking to you, you know, or whatever. So basically I was reading this book with conversations with God. For those of you who not read it, it's basically this Neil Donald Walsh, I think is his name, but he basically just gets, he, writes a whole book about having a conversation with God Mm -hmm. and like what the outlook looks like. So I read that book a few years ago and I was like, what, how does people do this? Like, I don't understand. Like, I'm like, okay, what, how do you talk to somebody? Or you get like angel card readers or these, or these psychics or, you know, you get into this kind of metaphysical, I call it the woo woo space. It's like the woo woo land. And I started being surrounded by a lot of these folks in my life where it's in this woo-woo land. And uh, I was like, I don't understand. And I'm like, there. I, we have a friend of ours that was like, I thought it would be great to go to the Grammys. I always wanted to do that. Mm-hmm. She's not a musician like that's producing music. She founded a company called Koya, and it's a dance. It's like a dance experience. Mm-hmm. So she gets on a plane one day, her friend, she lands and her friend texts her to say, Hey, I just got an extra ticket to the Grammys. My partner can't go. Do you want to go? And I'm like, how do you do it? Like wh- what happens here? Like, how do you do that? And they're like stories like this with her. Yeah. Her name's Rochelle. And she, it happens to her all the time. And I was just fascinated by this. And then I watched my wife do this when she writes and she writes books and she can bust out like a thousand word mm-hmm. blog post writing in the car in 10 minutes. Like I've, you know, so I was just like, what is happening here? So 
all I realized over time was just like, these people are just like really in touch with themselves and like listens to the voice that's inside of them. Mm-hmm. And so communicate. So this is kind of my own theory on all of this, because as the engineer, you want to figure out how all these things are working. Right. And so it's very heady, right? Like you're in your head a lot. Mm-hmm. You think about things a lot. You're in your head. And these people just start listening to their body. So in the last two years, especially when I went through this skin experience, mm-hmm. um, I've had to really learn how to listen to my body and like, what is my body telling me? Not what I think can happen. Like, what is my feelings? Like, what is this process like? So it's kind of paying attention to like, what do I feel like doing today? Mm -hmm. And it's getting out of the, I mean, honestly, I think that's what the world's going through right now. Truthfully. Like, I think it's a giant transformation of us, of Money, 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 capitalism, this, this, this business. And I'm not knocking capitalism, but it's the structure and the systems that were in place are not beneficial to the to, to humans, yeah. right? To every human. Let's just take the United States, for instance, right? It's like everything that exists in the United States, the rules that were made for business are not beneficial to everyone. Right. And if you think they are, then you're like, you know, get out of your head and into your body, basically. And so what's happened for me is this process for me just kind of started a little bit earlier, a couple of years ago. And that's really what the direction and kind of I'm moving. And now I have two kids that kind of direct that process. And I've watched, I just watched them a lot and how they move and how they work. And it's like, when did I lose that? You know, it's like, mm-hmm. when, when I was unable to squat, right. And I look at like my kids in a squat position for 10 minutes, just like playing with things in books. And I'm like, wow, I can't even do that. I can't even hold that for 30 seconds. Yeah. Like, when did I lose that? So it's like, Cause that's when I started working on my, my body mobility when I'd watch my daughter work. And it's like, let's get back to that place. Cause I know as, as we get older with adults, that's half the thing, you know, older people falling and, mm-hmm. you know, breaking hips, et cetera. So I just, it's like all of these little nuggets started to, to now it's the place where I'm like, how can I, how do I feel about this? Does this feel good? Does this, is this helping myself? And then is this helping the collective? Am I, and what am I doing? What's the benefit from this? How do I show up in that way? Is that, if that, does that answer your, it kind of answers your question. It kind of answers it. And it makes me wonder about um, so much of what we have to do in this journey is, is find the people that are, that are ours, our, our family, our tribe. And part of that role of that tribe, I think is just holding us accountable to what we say mm-hmm. we want to do and who we say we want to be. Uh, I can imagine your wife might do that for you, but like who, who helps you kind of stay where you are now and hold you accountable to the things that are to hold you accountable, to listen to your body and your feelings and to, and to move through life in that way. Yeah. By far my, the number one person is myself because I know, you know, it's like when we go and like, we're going to eat those two chips out of the bag and then we eat the whole bag and then we're negative. Then we negative self-talk ourselves about like, oh crap, I feel horrible. I shouldn't have done that. You know, it's really going down that shame. We should like shaming ourselves. Yeah. So for me, it's like chain, it's being kinder to myself and my body. And this goes not, this isn't just like on a feelings, emotional level. This is also on a physical, hu- the hustle level, mm-hmm. right? Cause like, I am really good at getting things done. Yeah. Like excellent. And I can solve some serious problems. Right. But not everybody wants their problem solved. Right. Like you could yeah, be telling right. anybody your whole day. Yeah. And you, I can give you all the suggestions, but you didn't ask for that. You just wanted to talk. Right. So for me, it's to recognize that in what do I, what, what do start really kind of putting myself as first, and this goes back to like this work I've done with codependency, realizing my own patterns and habits. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes family can, family really influences that on us a lot. And it's just like, oh, well, you got to show up. Your family's most important thing. You got to do this. And it's just like, we allow the guilt to drive us instead of kind of to be like, you know what? I don't want to go to Thanksgiving dinner this year. I want to stay at home by myself. Right. So the second person besides that for myself is like, uh, definitely my wife. We have a really good relationship from the point of um, not letting each other get away with our BS mm-hmm. and like calling each other on it. Yeah. And it becomes uncomfortable and sometimes it's not the right time, right? And so it's things we've worked through in our life. But we we each have we have high expectations for us individually and then together as us 
like the way we look at our marriage and business, like we kind of have like a Venn diagram. If you think like the overlapping circles, mm -hmm. we have Kate on one side, Mike's on the other side in the middle is our relationship and marriage is like its own entity. And then in there as well now is our children and our business. It all fits into that. Yeah. But yeah, for my, and then, so my wife definitely, because I've also watched her and how she operates and it's, it's different than the way I operate. And the same thing with her. I operate different than her. And so we learn a lot of lessons from that. We have good compliments, which is why we can run a business together. Mm -hmm. um, her skill set's different than my skill set. Uh, I'm more, more direct. I can say one sentence. She needs to say like three paragraphs, but it's the exact same sentence. Sure. Right. And so, which can be annoying on my end sometimes where I'm just like, just say what you want, <laughs> you know, just get it out. Right. So. And then for her, it's like sometimes too much where it's just like, yeah, I'm good. And she's like, well, can you say that with like a little bit more? Yeah. Yeah. Kate, I'm so great. You know, and it's just like once a little bit more feeling. She told me at the end of all my emails, I should put like, P.S. I'm not mad at you. <laughs> you know, so it's like, right. So, right, right. And so it's just being direct in my communication style. So then I have my. You know, it's just like some friends, some really close friends. I would say there's under five that are, I can really, mm -hmm. and especially men. Like I have a lot of female friends, but also I want dudes in my life as well, mm -hmm. where we have that good camaraderie with each other and really have kind of deep discussions, not just on the surface level. Because guys, we have a issue with talking to each other about our feelings, right? Yep. And so it's the place where it's like, we can go deep with that of who I want to connect with. Um, so that's who else. And then also just like, I really take in a lot of information from a variety of sources mm -hmm. and that's helpful as well. And usually I try to pay attention to things that are not um, from people and companies that don't operate our comp the way we do. And also people that don't look like me. Yeah. So people that have different life experience, I find I learn, I learn so much more about, I just become like a nicer, kinder human. Yeah. Um, and it's really what I'm not, what I have over the past few years, what I've stopped paying attention to is a lot of that hustle kind of mentality where it's like, you've got to grind, you know, and you just got to go and you got to go. And, and I know Gary V, Gary Vaynerchuk is a business person that kind of falls in this category a lot of times. Um, and I love the the tech the 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 teaching that he delivers, mm -hmm. but it's been something for me that's like that I'm already really good at. So it's like I don't need more information on how to work harder. Yeah, yeah. I already work hard, and so it's like how can I have that be like fulfilling in a way? Yeah. So it's like surrounding myself with um, just information or books that are in that category that I can learn from. That's good. funny how I don't know if you were like this so when I was a kid and this was just my own struggle with just kind of wanting to be known in my own view of my identity and I I wanted a lot of friends like, mm -hmm. I wanted to be known I wanted people to know me I wanted to be liked that goes into college that goes into my career and what I did as a as a, as a entertainer even as a business owner and I am now older. I see you on Instagram, dude. You're like once you're a social butterfly, man. You are out. You you are you network. You I just, do network. I get in these streets. I get out in these yeah. streets. Not right now. Um, but yeah, I get I get out. And the number of people where I am known and heard, those who hold place for me, like it's such a short list. My mom would say mm. when I was a kid, I've got I've got like all the friends I have, I can count on one hand. And I would say, it's because you mean. You're a mean woman. You're not nice. And no one wants to be your friend, which wasn't true. She got it. She understood that my life and my journey, I'm trying to raise you. Your dad's not here. 
I'm trying to hold this thing down. And there are only a couple of people that can handle what's going on in my life. And she had the discipline to say, I'm only going to let my life be exposed to these people because that's what's good for me. And I can be good to them too. So she had that reciprocity with them. Um, this list, like these, these handful, especially the, the men that are in your, in your life, how do you keep, how do you kind of keep up? Are you a, Hey man, we haven't talked in two weeks. Let's catch up. Like, are you the one that you kind of make sure that those relationships stay in place, that you guys stay engaged and stay connected to each other? Yeah, I would say that's me. Yeah. yeah. From the, it's, it's always like we had a house in, in college, this kind of, I'll tell you this brief story because it'll make sense why I'm explaining it this way. We had a house in college that was five or six of our uh, girls' friends that lived in them. Not We didn't date them. They were just our friends that were girls. And then there was our house that we lived in with me and like four dudes. And then there was another girl that lived with us. And I was always called Grandpa Watts like because I would take care of the situation, you know, make sure everybody's taken care of and mm-hmm. You know, and this goes back to the whole codependency thing. I and now I start following this path of how big this has existed. Right. So, yeah, it's like I because it's like what do I what I need this in my life, and I know other people do, and I'm not. And as we've as I you know once I was married, and then now we've had two kids, like that changes a lot. And I notice patterns that exist, especially in in dudes, where it's like you really fall into kind of your your partners if this is a male female relationship mm-hmm. you know but this, i'm sure this happens in other relationships as well it's where it's you fall into these you're just like oh i'm gonna hop on because the social bandwagon uh like or the social what's how am i say this correctly but it's like women have been the more social people mm-hmm. in these male female relationships so a lot of times us as men just hop on whatever our wives mm-hmm. are doing or what they schedule there's so many men that i know that are married that just have no clue what's happening next week right and they're just like i don't know i gotta ask my wife and i'm like dude like <laughs> don't you have a google calendar like you can share it like you know i'm like come on yeah. so for me it's been like that's what i need in my life like i know that's beneficial and so i just i make the effort to reach out and a lot of time like i don't get stuck on it either like if some people don't answer they don't call you back whatever i'm just like okay great because i'll be in the car and i just start going down the list of people mm-hmm. in my phone and just like hey call this person call this person call this person. i just like go down the list to be like hey let's chat yeah um and that's been good and it's also been bad and the the downside of kind of what i've changed in the last year of this or the the way that i've changed not really downside but it's just like really sitting with my own thoughts i heard this guy talk one day it was like we have so much push to like meditate and listen to these apps and listen to this meditations and he goes the real challenge is to turn it all off yeah turn all the music off turn all the cell phones off turn off the apps and the meditation and the voices walking through it and sit with yourself for 15 minutes in silence yes and see what comes up. So I started doing that a little, a little bit more in these processes when I'm kind of like reaching out. Cause I noticed like, as I would reach for alcohol or drugs or whatever the substance would be, I started doing that with social or food. It's like the addiction went to something else type thing. That's good. Um, talk to me a little bit about, um, so shout out to your wife, Katie. She does author, blogger, businesswoman, does all the things. Um, you guys are in business together. Um, when did you know you wanted to spend your life with her? Like, when did you decide I'm buying her? She getting the ring. I'm locking it down. It's her. Nobody else. I love this. God, thanks. So this was great. Um, oh, when was that? You knew you were in love. I was. So my, my first company was this network marketing business. It was the second network marketing company I started. The company's called USANA. We still have it today. We're not, we're happily retired from it. We still, there's income that comes in. We love our products. But the, she started this company when she was 18 years old. Wow. And in this business, she started being a business owner. So I knew, like I would go on dates with women and be like, what do you want to do like in five years from now? And I remember I dated this one girl and I'm over at her apartment in the morning and we're there and she's just like, she's like, I'm, I'm good. Like, I'm, I'm like, so you want to do this five years from now? She's like, yeah, I'm pretty good. I'm like, yeah, this, uh, this relationship's not going to work out. Yeah. Right. So I just, I started 
And in my last relationship, the the girl that went to NC State, we wanted the same thing, which was in the, the end result is we wanted to have a family. Mm-hmm. We wanted to like see our kids a lot. We wanted to like do fun things and adventures, but she wanted to do it the route of a job. And then what I would, this is when I really started going on my business journey. Mm-hmm. She got really stressed out about it. And I was like, okay, this is not working. We want the end result the same. The journey, how are we going to get there is not going to be the same. So I was like this, and then it fell apart. When I was in Florida, I moved from North Carolina to Florida and I was there and I saw Kate. I knew of her, her name's Kate Northrup is her business name. And her mom is Dr. Christian Northrup. She's pretty big in the women's health movement and for like 30 years. So she's written a couple books, et cetera. So a lot of people are familiar with her. But the I saw I knew of the Northrop family, okay, because they were all part of this network marketing company. And when I saw her on the screen, I was like, "Oh, she'd be cool to date." She's already in the company; she already runs a business mm-hmm. that's here. And then I just I met her aunt and uncle first, and then when I so I met them first, and they're like, "Oh yeah, you should meet our daughter." The whole thing, and then I went to Chicago to visit my friends who I never met uh, in person. We met online. Mm-hmm. And she was staying there with her cousin at their apartment. And so th- I asked my buddies, I'm like, do you have a place to crash? Because we were all going to go watch the Chicago Blackhawks in the Stanley Cup game. And they're like, yeah, but Kate and Rachel Northrup are here. And I was like, do you have a place for me to crash? She's like, yeah, we got a couch. I'm like, great. So I'm, I walk in and I was just like, who is this? Like, I just like this light, you know, beam kind of around her. And then we were going out and we're out there. And I started taking these like pickup. Um, I was in between relationships learning that one of the biggest struggles men have with women is like just even talking to them. Yes. Right. So I started taking these like pickup artist class and started diving into this community to learn how to like talk to women better. And there was this procedure they talk about where it's cocky, funny, where you like comment on her clothes and you're trying to be funny at the same time. So I was using these techniques. I guess you could say this sounds really weird, but like I, Take, I was doing this with good intentions mm-hmm. for people. And so it was, and then she was just like, what is this? Like, I'd be like, what is this? A match.com profile. Cause she started asking me all these questions. I'm like, this woman is fun. Like I could just see she's fun. Yeah. So then it, what happened was, is we started, it was, I was like, there's something here. And then we hung out again about four months later, but nothing romantically happened. We didn't kiss. We didn't, you know, the whole thing. I was just like, it's, and then I moved in the meantime, I moved from Florida to Arizona. Mm -hmm. And that's when we hung out again in Arizona. And so what, and then we started traveling. It was like, we did our first date was 34,000 miles, 41 States and a Toyota Prius for 10 months around the United States. So that was like our first date. That's wild. Yeah, it's wild. So I, she was like, do you want to help me get from Buffalo, New York to Southern California? And I was dry. She came to pick me up in the middle of a blizzard in 2000. This was 2011. And it was a giant blizzard beginning of February. She picks me up to the airport and she drives the whole way back. And I'm sitting over looking at her. I'm like, she's driving in the middle of a blizzard. Most of the time I'm doing all the driving. And I'm like, this, there's something to this girl. Like, what's up with what's happening here? You know, and we're driving across the country. And then the discussions we're having in the first three days driving, we're driving from Buffalo to California, right? Mm-hmm. So that's like 2,000 some miles or so. And I was like, just, I just knew, I was like, there's something different here. This is a different feeling. This is a different thing. My parents knew it because we stayed at my parents' house in Indiana on day two of our road trip. Not in the same bed. You know, it was like my Catholic mother would never allow that to happen. So it was like, you guys are sleeping in separate rooms, the whole thing. Right. But it was like, and I was just like there, it's just that five day journey from getting to Buffalo to California. I was like, this is probably the girl I'm going to marry. You know, it was just in that moment because of the discussions, the depth that happened there and how we did not annoy each other. And we were able to, were be, to be together cohabiting a car for five days was the first, that was really the first time I was like, dude, we're in here. That's good. This is, this is it. So now you're cohabitating in a house. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Every day. Um, what do you what do you guys do to keep to keep that? Like there is something special about being able to share your space and the conversation and your heart and your thoughts and your dreams and your fears and all the things you guys share. 
how do you guys keep it? Like, what is the things, one or two things you guys just do to maintain that kind of connection to each other? We create it. So like we are very, um, I always say this wrong word conscious. Is that right? We're very, we like, you're very we aware. <laughs> yeah, we're aware. Yeah, we are very, we create the life that we actually want. Hmm. And it's something where we both, it's like, if we do not, this has changed over time and we're really, we're really good at it now. Mm-hmm. It's like, if we're unhappy, cause well, of course we have arguments and like, especially during this downtime, I mean, I can't imagine what's going on in a lot of people's homes that have never spent this much time with their partners that they live with. Yeah. Right. Or they, they've created a life with, and they're now all of a sudden they're stuck with them 24 seven in a house. And if it's to both people and then they have kids in there and like what is happening inside of our homes. So we, we, it's, we don't allow, um, issues to happen to extend into five, six, seven days. Really at this point, like if we have a problem that goes into two days, Mm. it, 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 it's very rare. Mm -hmm. Like we're, we're dealing with issues of how we feel probably within 24 hours of what's going down because we've learned over and what happened was is in the in our first road trip across the country kate asked me a question that was just like if something's going down charlemagne the god's talking a lot about this about mental health and therapy right. etc yeah and so he it's it, that was a question she asked me it was like if we need to see somebody about a relationship are you open to that and i was like well if i'm going to hire somebody to run facebook ads for my marketing company why wouldn't i hire a therapist for our relationship yeah you know, and this was like my thought process for it because growing up in Indiana, like I feel like everybody on the East Coast, especially in New England, everybody's got a therapist. They've been going to a therapist since they were five, yeah. right? Like it's just like it's so common up here yeah. that just like the way the conversation is in Indiana, like you bury those things, you don't talk about those things mm-hmm. in the Midwest, like you you don't bring those things up, right? And so for me, when we started, we had our we were fighting about a stuffed pepper, and we were cooking in Falmouth. <laughs> about a stuffed pepper. I don't even remember what the hell the conversation was, but we always, we call it the stuffed pepper. And for us, it was like the time is now for us to talk to somebody, you know, and Kate was like, remember that conversation we have? And I was like, yeah. And so we started in couples therapy back, you know, this was in 2000 when our daughter was born in 2015. Cause once kids came, that changes the whole dynamic. And then it's just, it's like having grace for each other. And, giving people space and making sure so what's so the first thing was like we, we call you know we 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 acknowledge issues going on in our marriage in a quicker time frame mm-hmm. and we don't let it boil up for a week at a time yeah because that's like so detrimental like with my wife even her this is something i've learned more from her where she can't even go Cause she's been like sober her, she just hasn't drank or done substances her whole life. So she's so tapped in with her body mm-hmm. and it drives her. It's like, it, it's drives her crazy. If she has an issue with somebody and she's not dealing with it within like an hour or six hours, yeah. she's like, I got to talk it out. I got to do it now. And she can't go to sleep. She can't function. She can't do it. And it's like, it's something I've never witnessed before. But I just I would watch the healing that would come from that experience with both parties talking in a much quicker time frame, right? So the second thing is a space. So it's giving each other I have a life outside of just my wife and my marriage mm-hmm. and then our kids and making sure that we each are filling up kind of our own individual buckets. Yeah. So if that means I need to go away for a couple of days by myself and just be by myself, then she gives me the space to do that. And so the same for her. Like if she needs to go with girlfriends for a couple of days, same deal, right? If I'm planning, like I'm planning a mountain bike trip um, at the end of May, it might be canceled now, but you know, it's supposed to be there. So that's something I'm going to go do for myself or go to Milwaukee, hang out with my buddy or go down North Carolina, hang out with my buddy, whatever. You know, that is, we give each other the space to be able to do that so we can fill our buckets up. And that has been like, I'd say that's a big thing that's been helpful for us to give us that. And the last thing is understanding the complexity or I have two, two more things that has been helpful is 
number three is understanding the complexity that exists inside of relationships in itself, mm-hmm. where we talk about like just Kate and myself as a relationship, but like th- she has th- two parents biological who are divorced mm-hmm. and then he, my, her dad got remarried. Right. So she has a bonus mom and then has a stepsister with the bonus mom. Right. So the come that's, and then my parents have been married for like 30 some years or something. So, right. I don't have the dynamic of a divorced household that's so complex like us being me being here and myself mike is so complex because think about like not only my parents and her parents combined and now we've created these children right right and so the lineage that exists in both of our dynamics is very very extensive so we we think back and we give ourselves the three and fours kind of together it's like we give each other grace because her dynamics she went through as a kid are much different than my dynamics that went through as a kid her parents were both doctors when when she was growing up, so they were on call a lot. Especially, like think about now, like having kids whose parents are doctors, like yeah. the amount of time they're in the hospital, the medical system, the whole thing, right? Mm-hmm. The stress that's put on that, what that looks like. So it was, it's just understanding where we've come from mm-hmm. to get where we are today, and actually having grace to work on those issues that come to this, and then we're supposed to like have this relationship supposed to be this most beautiful thing that exists. Yeah. And it's like, it's crazy. The, the intensity that's put on it. And then especially for women in these dynamics and what they are quote unquote, socially supposed to be responsible for and what men we can get away with. Yeah. Right. So it's like, we've understood a lot of this dynamic going into our relationship. And the last thing was this grace piece. I read this actually in Glennon Doyle Melton's book. She was going through a divorce with her husband and they just said during the divorce, they just look at each other when it gets intense and they just said grace. You know, it's like give each other grace. And that's what Kate, it, right, it connected with me big time with Kate and I is that we give each other space and then also give each other grace and a lot of love during our dynamic that exists. That's good. Uh, I try to inject um, some kind of hope into all of these conversations. And, you know, part of the point of, you know, this this space even is that we we get to kind of share our lives a little bit. And I think sometimes that inspires people and, and sparks something in them as we kind of share our stories and the things that we both have learned and the things we're still trying to trying to figure out. Um, if you could think of something that would be a hope for, I don't know, like maybe on the, as we imagine the other side of this, right? You know, we're, we're past the really hard, difficult part of this pandemic and we're trying to figure out what life is like on the other side. What would be your hope for for us as a, as a bigger community is that we kind of human to human living with each other on the other side of this. Like, what do you think we could, what we could be, what we could aspire to do? Like how, how could we inject some hope into people as they're thinking about life and the other, on this other side of this? <laughs> the Corona is going to take us all out. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, what a, yeah, it's, it's a, you know, it's a really, it's honestly, I'm having an, it's a, ch- challenging thing to to process right now to think about because if you would ask me six months ago we'd have a much different answer because the world has completely changed and it will change Mm -hmm. um our life what we quote unquote saw was normal what normal is going to be in four months from now is not going to be back to where it is Mm -hmm. and from a business perspective companies are going out of business every day right now, you know? So to kind of turn it around, I would say to where, why we're hopeful for this and what we're looking at it from our company perspective, like the month of April for us is rest and restore Mm -hmm. because I feel like there's so much, like think about the first two weeks this went down with people. They were Instagram living every day. We're out there. We're pushing. This is so exciting. And now we're kind of in, you know, wherever this as when you're listening to this, it's like that. It's like this is a reality that's hitting people and be like, this is intense. So for us, we're saying like, we will be needed from our company perspective and kind of what we are able to show up and deliver by resting right now, mm. you know? And so what's been the most beneficial for me is now I have, we've created a business that allows privilege for this to take place for myself. So I, I do acknowledge that. 
but just for me to slow down and not get caught up in the hustle. And the truth is, I feel like that's the direction we are moving where it does is a world that is a little bit more peaceful, where our economics and our economy is not because even the bailout that they rolled out for $2 trillion, that to me is like the old way to try to fix things. Mm -hmm. It's not the new way where we're going to take care of the communities and take care of this. And I feel like we will, especially in the United States, we'll come back to this more localized, like things will start moving more back locally, Mm -hmm. which you are at the front of that, Todd, you're going to be like all over the local movement. And uh, it's, the and so it just creates a much more like I have this poster that I'm looking at over here and the bottom of it says we are we the people are greater than fear mm. and I feel like we will ri- arrive from this and there's also another poster I have behind me that says you know it's by Gary V and a quote that he said and I'll summarize it where it's like people don't follow they follow me for uh, hard work, humility, empathy, and kindness, not because of the Ferraris or the gold watches that he's wearing, you know? And I feel like a lot of times we get caught up in kind of these materialistic things that deliver happiness for a very short period of time that's happened for me. And I think as we come out of this, it's actually a really good thing for the planet. And I feel like we'll do a little bit more caretaking. Now, it's going to probably be a little rocky to get there, but I feel like that's the direction we are moving. Um, from a business perspective, I think it's a great opportunity. I feel like people have the ability to create whatever they want right now. Mm-hmm. Um, businesses, a lot of businesses are going to fail during this time. And a lot of businesses are thriving during this time. We have a client of ours who's her revenue three X mm. in a week yeah. and it will continue to grow and inspire. And if you're having a really good like experience during this time, it's not to downplay that right because i don't want to i want to i want to acknowledge and celebrate successes that are taking and also acknowledge and have empathy for the struggle right because there is going to be a lot of people struggling during this time as well but from a business perspective i feel like the the direction we're going there is a lot of opportunity for creation Mm -hmm. and so that out of the darkness we can create art and the art and the beauty will will thrive for this i think it's going to change the way we think about a lot of things moving forward, maybe, hopefully, you know? So, um, I, hopefully that was helpful, but it was like, yeah, it's, it's, it's a hard, it's, it's a little challenging to think about the future because of where we currently are, at least for me and what I've been in. But I know for myself, like resting, tapping in, like you said, you're on a social media, you're not paying attention to social media right now. And I did the same thing with the internet. Mm -hmm. I just took it off. I'm about to do the same thing with social media for the next week. Mm -hmm. Just like get off of it. Cause it's like as fun. It is to dance with, um, D nice and (laughs) the entire world, like fantastic. But it's also like, I can also put music on my own house and Mm -hmm. dance inside and just being in the feed of the data. Yeah. And, and, and it's not good for my soul, yeah. you know, in that moment. So it's, t- it's touching from there. I think we'll go into a more, much more, um, businesses and orientations where it's not so much lying. It's not so much covering up the truth of what's really going on. Mm-hmm. You know, you see this in a lot of big, especially big industries, the toxic t- toxicity that's been created in the world based off products, how it's. You know, it's created, it's ravished communities, it's shut down, it's ruined land, um, it's marginalized communities in a way that was unexpected, but that's the end result, but we don't change that. It keeps, like you have a poster above your head called with change from the TEDx event. So it's, I've seen that a few times we've been talking. So I feel like business will come out of this really well. And just to give people the ability that they, you don't have to go to business school to do what you know like my mba is not the reason i'm we are successful at business Mm -hmm. like it was that was just really expensive piece of paper to me you know and it was that's not it's this the desire to keep learning and realizing like we can do this collectively as a whole yeah uh thank you i appreciate you taking some time away from family getting on the mic getting on the 40 lessons podcast up and down the East Coast from Maine to VA. Thank you, Mike. 
appreciate it. Thank you so much, Todd. I, I'm really, it's a pleasure to be here. I really enjoy listening to your podcast. Since we met in Richmond, it was, uh, you know, I've checked, definitely kept up with what you've been doing and it's really cool um, to be here. I'm really honored to, um, that you asked me to, to come on. So thanks. Thank you. Thanks again to Mike for jumping on the podcast. Make sure you go check out his show with his wife, Kate. It's the Kate and Mike show, Life, Love, and Business. Find out about all the stuff they're doing, katenorthrup.com. Let's see what they got going on. One of the organizations that they support is Love 146, and they are our nonprofit highlight for this episode. It's an international human rights organization, and they're working to end child trafficking and exploitation through survivor care and prevention. The trafficking and exploitation of children is one of the darkest stories and most severe human rights abuses imaginable. But for Love 146, the hope of ending it is reality. They're helping to grow the movement to end child trafficking with providing effective, thoughtful solutions. They believe in the power of love and its ability to affect sustainable change. Love's foundation of their motivation. Learn more about who they are, love146.org, love146. Go check them out. I hope, as always, that you are taking care of yourself. Uh, and if you need help, you're asking for help from a friend, a neighbor, a coworker, a professional person that can help and listen and support you. And let's make sure that we're taking care of each other, spending time with each other, checking on each other, calls, text messages, FaceTime, Zoom, whatever it is, being proactive to check on each other and make sure that your, your fellow person, your other neighbor, person you know, your family member, whoever it is that they're doing okay. Thank you so much. We got another episode for you next week right here. It's 40 Lessons. Thank you guys so much for listening. Talk to you next week.